Good evening and after a week's break, a week's break, right? Yeah, yeah a week's break or two weeks break? Just one week, we didn't have Q&A, this is a one week after that. Okay. It's only a week's break. We are back with Q&A and we are glad to be back with you. We have a few questions. We started early so that we can finish early. Tomorrow is Sunday. Before we go into the question answers, uh, I need to, I have to tell you a story. The story goes like that somewhere in Europe, Spain or something, you know, kings visit uh, towns and villages. And when kings visit, you are supposed to give them gifts. So he was planning to visit a small little village. And all the village gathered and they were saying, we are so poor, we don't know what to give the king. So the head of the village came up with an idea. We'll put a cask, a barrel in the middle of the village, in the village room, whatever. And everyone, till the king comes, everyone bring a mug of wine and pour it into the cask. When the king comes, we'll give it as our offering to the king, a barrel of wine. What happened in the village was that each one started thinking, Okay, the other fellow will put wine, so it does not matter if I pour water. Water. (laughs) What happened is everybody thought the same way. So what happened is when the king finally came and the barrel was presented, it was full of water. So in not so similar, but in similar, everybody was very excited and they said we are waiting for Q&A and everybody thought the other one will send the question. (laughs) So we ended up this week, after a week's break, we ended up with a relatively smaller number of questions because everybody was pouring water into the barrel. (laughs) Okay, so next week, don't make that mistake. If you have a question, voice it. Send it to us. Okay, and since uh, we are here on Saturday, I'll make the announcement again on Sunday, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow we have communion service, and all those who are in Hyderabad, I believe you all all got your elements of communion. And I also understand others, online brethren, are also planning to join us. Please join us. We are separated by time, space, all these restrictions, but we are never separated by the Spirit. So we will come together tomorrow in worship, in prayer, in word, and above all tomorrow in communion. And uh, Pastor Vijay will lead us in prayer and then we will go into the questions. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, for this time once again. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity that you have given to us, Lord, to seek you, Father. Your word says so, Lord. When we seek you, we will find you. When we seek you with all of our heart. Thank you, Father, for all these questions that your children have come up with, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would grant us the wisdom of, Father, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we will be able to, Father, uh, answer these questions according to your will, according to your word. Keep us from error and let your name be glorified through everything that we do, O Lord. And Lord, you don't not only answer the question, but also answer the questioner and the similar kinds of questions that many people might be having, O Lord. You're able to take it, O Lord, and able to multiply even this ministry. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We surrender this time into your hands. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives especially our pastor, Lord, that you touch him and heal him completely, Lord, and you would bless us during this time together. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 My son's spiritual children in New York said, Dad, never lose your sense of humor. So let me tell you, because the woman was formed last in creation, that's why when we say, 
colloquially when man gets married his better half comes <laughs> but also when men have certain kinds of surgeries they end up with two halves a better half and a worse half that's why the camera is today strategically positioned you can only see my better half <laughs> we are called to laugh because the joy of the lord is our strength Amen. okay the devil wants us to be depressed we shall not be depressed hallelujah yes pastor vijay we shall go to the first question yes the quest- first mm. question is from a child pastor Oh, from little Kritika. Yes, it's okay. yeah, not not little Kritika, but she's a little bigger Kritika. Little bigger Kritika. Bigger Kritika. <laughs> okay, let's read uh, question number seven. It says, "God created the light, sun, and the moon in the firmament only on the fourth day, but the scripture said in the first day that God separated light from darkness. What light is this? If He created our physical lights only on the fourth day?" Okay, Kritika, I will try to explain it in very simple terms, like. Uh, in this massive massive universe which god has created which is still expanding because he he said let there be light and did not say let it stop mm. so it's still expanding amen okay so the universe is still expanding and we the solar system is just a speck this whole solar system not the earth the whole solar system is only earth So if you actually look up in the sky you will see so many lights. Okay? So many lights. So on the fourth day he's creating the lights which are specific to us which is the sun and the moon. But before that there is light in his whole created universe there is light. And that's the light he is talking about. And that light itself because he is so we if you look at the order of creation day 1 2 and 3 in creation he seems to have divided time into morning and evening and morning so it is evening and morning the first day the second day the third day and then fourth day also evening and morning yes. specifically into 24 hours now i know for earth because the sun the solar system i mean the sun the revolution rotation causes a day to be 24 hours the evening and the morning i am not putting a presumption for the rest of creation and evening and morning is 24 hours mm-hmm. it needn't be there could be a evening a period of darkness and a morning a period of light and it could be more than 20 and i think scientifically it's perfectly possible for it to be more than 24 hours but that periods are called into evening and morning Okay, that's how it is. So, Kritika is talking about the fourth day specific to Earth, Amen. and Sun and Moon are put over there for our sake for this creation. But light was there before that. When you come to Revelation 21, you will see there is a light in the kingdom of heaven, which is not got to do with the Sun or the Moon or anything. Which will talk about Christ, the Church itself, radiant with the light, which is. what we call intrinsic that is the light the glory of god shining ultimately become the light of the universe amen amen i hope kritika you are satisfied yeah amen yes pastor vijay so uh was this is question number 4 pastor by the way for those who are i still i hope i send to the worldwide church too and to our church too i send the morning devotions no still evening that devotion is still ringing in my mind and i'm thinking about how can a person come through and the 
awesome power of God. And I just want you to just go back and read that, what the depravity of evil can put a person through and how God meets you there and you still come out through it. It's stronger in your faith and your convictions. And we talk about our pain and our sufferings. Sometimes perspective matters. And you look at what that that brother in Egypt went through and how he came through. Because I feel it personally because the second term they put him, second phase of torture they put him. I'm very claustrophobic. I feel very claustrophobic in close. That's why MRI test always freaks me out because they put you into that machine. And I'm very claustrophobic and I'm scared of swimming because I wouldn't mind any kind of death except that by drowning. So that's why I'm scared of sea. And then I look at what they put this man in and how Christ meets you there. You know, the awesomeness of our God. I mean, sometimes when you read that, all you will understand when he says, I will never leave you, you know, forsake you. I'll be with you Everywhere. What a powerful testimony to us, yes, this morning. Yes, Pastor Vijay. That was just free, okay? You don't have to pay for it. (laughs) This question is uh, for this year. Question number four, Pastor. Will this year go by just like this? Everybody has this question. Or will we have a break? It has been a trying, difficult year for everybody. I don't think President Trump will win, hoping and praying he does. Will this year go? There are two things about it. One is the sovereign will of God. God has already planned out. He's seen the end from the beginning. His plans for history, everything is planned out. That is there. So if it is God's will, the year should go this way, it will go. Conflicting prophecy. So I just tune myself for one person will say it will go immediately. Another person will say it will last the whole year. Third person will say a vaccine is coming. And they all seem to be saying that God told them. So I just leave it alone. And uh, no, I leave it alone. And they're all good men of God. They're not even best. A couple of them are crooks. Okay, one master was a pastor who died today. I'm very glad. Okay, very glad. And uh, he died. He had asked to beef against me because I publicly called him out. Okay, so I know, therefore, he is a master. No, so I'm telling all this. We don't get carried away by all these people. Okay, some of them are absolute crooks. God may have used them because they had an altar which was, went to Bible college by the way, so they preached, people got saved, but the other works they did was demonic. So there are a lot of stuff that is happening over here. The second part of it is, is it, the church has power. Church has power. God has given authority. If you believe this is the judgment of God, and it is the judgment of God, it has to run its season. And its purpose. If you notice the ten judgments of God that came on Egypt, everything came in through the hand of man and was taken out by the hand of man. If there were three and a half years of famine spoken over Israel, it came through the mouth of man and it was taken through the prayer and the intercession of man. Mm. So I really believe and I know it's absolutely deep in my heart, the church has power. Incredible power. But the first thing the church has to do is in the closet, understand the will of God and understand and cry out for mercy and cry out for mercy. And I believe the pandemic, God will. I mean, no pandemic can win over Christ. These are all little things. One sweep of God's hand, it will be clear. And we saw that in Egypt. 
Then the second part of the question over there, you are talking about President Will. Don't think President Trump will win. We don't go by opinion polls. None of those things matter. Again, I said it all depends upon what is God's plan for the world. Is he going to extend mercy on that nation, the oldest democracy in the world? Is he going to extend mercy? If he, I believe. No, it's not my conviction like I heard from God, but I do believe because if you see in Exodus chapter 3 when the children of Israel cried out and God already knew what kind of people they were. They were stiff-necked, rebellious people who would never enter into the promise. I knew it. But scripture said he heard their cries and he remembered Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You see, whatever you may say about it, the Americans have a history. The church in America has a history of incredibly godly, righteous people. And they went around the world and they preached the gospel. And they died in those places. And we are all recipients of their favor, of their goodness. And God will remember the goodness of their forefathers. There were wicked men among them, but there were a lot of godly, good men among them. And I believe for their sake, God may extend a hand of mercy. If he extends a hand of mercy, Trump may win. Don't go by opinion polls and all that. See, if all the opinions, polls are true. Why is so much happening just to take that man down? Right? Every force on the universe and the powers of darkness are united in one thing. They want to be absolutely sure that he loses, including the Republicans. They are the Bush Republicans who all have what is called PAC. You don't understand what PAC is. PAC is a political action community, uh, uh, committee in US. You can form a political action committee. See, you cannot donate directly to Donald Trump, uh, his uh, organization. There's a limit decided by the law. But to a PAC, you can put in any amount of money. So they create all kinds of political action community um, committees. They pump it with money for the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And they buy the ads and saturate the whole media with ads. That's how they do it. But you have to realize Republicans have PACs against Trump. Against Trump. Every every Buddy under the universe seems to be united in one thing about getting him off. And I have my question, why is it so? Mm. Because of it, I believe God will do something. And if God doesn't do, Lord have mercy on all of us. Meaning the end is here and we need to be very, really, really, really prepared because the world knew New World Order is the only man standing against it, the agenda, everything will start falling into place and we will see suddenly things moving in very, very fast. Okay, very, very, very fast things. Eight years of Obama changed the entire spiritual climate of U.S., moral climate of U.S., laws were changed and it had repercussions around the world. All around the world things changed. Four years of Trump, he reversed almost everything which and he had to face opposition everywhere, but he tried to reverse everything. Okay, so I have believed 2020, November 3rd, and that's why they are pushing uh, what you call mail by voting. People don't understand the difference between mail by voting and absentee voting. He's saying absentee voting is okay, mail by voting is not okay. Mail by voting is that everybody gets your vote by mail. 
it can i mean honestly if you look at it the postman will deliver at the post box it can come to the dead the living the ugly evil everybody alien non this thing and you send take it put it for the party you like and send it back in absentee voting you have to apply you have to prove you are a citizen and you have to show an id mail by voting you don't need it mm. and the democrats are pushing for mail by voting by using covid 19 that you should have social distancing people should not come out to vote because if they come out to vote they will fall ill and die but the question is why don't you then go for absentee voting because it doesn't suit your agenda if you go for absentee voting i have to apply if i am american citizen i have to apply and i have to show my id number social security every american citizen has a social security or or driving license or whatever so you will be able to verify this is a citizen or not so you have to see everything possible they are doing to see that he does not win and because of that i have a feeling he will win and it will take the praying church to pray it through it is demonic what is it's not not it's not normal politics it is demonic what is happening what is happening it is demonic and if god allows it to happen that means he's allowing the demonic to take over because he thinks it is time for the holy spirit his spirit to withdraw from the church it can go either way job of the church is to get into the prayer closets get on your knees and pray and pray and pray because i've never seen absolute total evil hatred demonic powers come together for an election like this everybody is there in it everybody there and i believe covid-19 was i personally believe manufactured to bring him down because before it came everybody had given up they knew there was no way you could defeat him democrats had given up because the economy was shooting like never before and when an economy is roaring you can never defeat a president a simple simple politics logic it was the best economy you have said ever seen ever seen it was peaking like anything so they all kind of had given up then covid-19 came the economy crashed like never in us history then it was starting to pick up in june suddenly the race rights took place and again the covid spike came in so again shutting down has happening so you need to see this battle going literally a battle going over there the church doesn't see it church doesn't see it much of the church doesn't see it. there's a whole lot of church who see it and there are intercessors for the nation in america praying 24/7 and if you check every one of them they're all praying for trump to win they know this is a spiritual battle and i'm saying because our destinies are all connected because this is for the liberty of the church and the gospel to speak we need to pray we need to pray we need to pray it's very simple you look over there if trump wins is it good for the church absolutely if trump loses it's terrible for the church absolutely as simple as that absolutely so you don't even have to think who has to win in the four years he has done nothing against the church he has only stood for the church we don't want uh, economic reforms and all that's that's the secondary the simple thing the church needs to ask is that has he done good for the things which the kingdom of god stands for and i will say yes he has almost every move he has done has been good for the kingdom of god the principles of the kingdom so does the church have to church have to look and don't look at other things it's not a pastor sitting in the white house it's a politician 
And everything they are throwing at him is got to do with something he said 12 years ago, something he did 15 years ago. But that is what the devil does. Doesn't he do with all of us? He accuses using our past. Yes. Doesn't he accuse of our past? And that's what they throw at him day and night. But all the things they say about him is connected with things which he did 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. They have nothing to say about what he is doing now. And you need that is the tactic of the enemy. Throw enough mud, something will stick. Something will stick. And I look at that and I'll say, you know what, that's politics, I understand. But this is not got to do with politics, this has got to do with the church. The church job is to get out of your knees and pray, Lord. If this is your man, this is I every day I tweet. I only follow him and I tweet. I will tweet, God bless you, President. They're praying for you, I tweet. And I look back and see, I'm not identifiable or anything. But I'll always see that my tweet has been seen by at least 25, 30 people and they retweeted. They retweeted. But that's our job, to bless him. Because I believe he is the political leader of the Christian world. Religious leader is something. If a political leader of the Christian world has, he's the only one. You name me another one. Can you name another one? None. None. There's no one. Except for Hungary's president, there is no one. No one. So I look at this only one political leader, and thank God he's the most powerful man on earth. And he's the political leader for the Christian world. We pray for him. We pray for all our leaders for wisdom and discernment, but we pray for him. Lord, let him win, is my cry. Yes, Pastor Vijay, that is enough politics for today. Again, gone. Facebook is working. Yeah, is, there, is there a problem? It's back? Okay. It's back, yeah. Okay. That was a heavy answer, Pastor. But, but question number three. Mm-hmm. I know most of the deaths are caused because of disobedience. But okay. what about the children who are innocent in this? Why does God take them away? Everywhere this is injustice. How come God allows this testing to go on and on? Why do we get so discouraged so easily? Do you think it is lack of faith? How do we know how many crowns we will earn? And we'll Nobody will know. That's the last question I'll answer first. Nobody will know further, first whether we will get a crown. <laughs> Second, we do not know how many crowns. Okay, So we do not know that. The judge is... The judge, the jury, all is one man called Christ Jesus. Okay? Uh, we know most deaths are caused by disobedience. Okay, there are lots of... Lots of... Uh, yeah, lots of deaths, deaths can happen... Uh, 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 happen in which uh, disobedience can natural causes all kinds okay don't uh, spiritualize everything mm-hmm. okay it can be stupidity also okay stupidity if i die if i drink arsenic i will die that's mm-hmm. called stupidity okay i will die you know there are a lot of people who dare devil things on the road and cry and they die that is just stupidity don't blame the devil for that okay so there are a lot of but when you come to the real thing about it Children, okay, children. Children are innocent in only one way. They are innocent because they do not have the knowledge of it. But they are not born innocent spiritually Hmm. because of what is passed on. Please understand that, what is passed on. And there are a lot of things about children, about children and the way God's kingdom works, which we do not understand. God's kingdom is the kingdom of righteousness. It's as simple as that. The devil knows it well. 
So what he does is that he uses God's righteousness against God's people. Remember Balaam's advice to Balak. He says, you cannot curse what God has blessed. Mm. But you know, all you have to do is get them cross the line. He himself has to deal with them because he is righteous. Okay, so a lot of things have happened to children is because of what parents have done. Parents have made vows. No, made vows, dedications, and the children. Okay, okay. Let me give you a simple example, which, uh, in a classic case, a woman is uh, talking to a minister about what happens. Okay, she's carrying a child, she's carrying a baby, and she's holding a pendulum, and she's standing before the pendulum and swinging the pendulum and doing a seance. Uh, Occult thing to determine something about the child. Do you think it the child it will not have an effect on the child? Of course it does. It has an effect on the child. Effect on the child. Okay. These are real things. Okay. Some children are born depressed. Born depressed. You know why? Because the mother when it conceived did not want the child. Did not want the child. And it kept on saying, I wish I had not conceived. I wish I could abort this child. I wish I did not have. You know what? The child is born that way. It has been rejected from the womb. Rejected from the... And we see that with Benjamin. We see that with Benjamin. This There are so many things that play an effect on children of which parents, grandparents, you know, family line are responsible. Are responsible, no? And these are curses that are pronounced without we are that's why God says life and death is in the power of the tongue. A lot of things happen. But at the end of the day, one thing you need to realize is the child is innocent, ignorant, God loves children, and the child dies, the child is safe, the child is safe. Okay. I always look at it this way, like I look in the this absolute righteousness of God and the unfathomable love of God. I see it this way. There is this child. God loves this child. And God sees this child. If it grows, I mean, that is his end from the beginning, he knows. Okay, If he sees this child is going to grow up and go away from him, isn't it better he takes it up early before it does that? No? Does that? No. Think about, I always think about uh, Bethsheba's child. Think about Bethsheba's child. Think for a moment, Bethsheba's child did not die. Die. And that's the child who becomes the next king. Mm. Okay, actually the next child becomes the king, that is Solomon. Okay, so Bethsabar's child, let us imagine, is Solomon. And not Solomon, but the child that died is Solomon, and he becomes king. How do you think palace politics would be? Nobody in the inner circle is sure this is David's son or Uriah's son. What do you think palace politics would be? There would be rebellion within the palace. You know how things would have been? God sees all this. So he just says, come home. You don't have to create politics. So you just come home. 
because we are dealing still with men and politics god is not intervening and changing everything everything that is happening will continue to happen injustice will continue increasing because a day has been set which is called the day of judgment that is the day of justice so all these things nobody is going to escape nobody is going to justice will come and everybody will agree this is perfect because all the evidence will be there every but there will be incredible mercy also shown that is why scripture says mercy triumphs over justice incredible mercy because unlike modern day judges or we are very finite in our knowledge everything will be factored in everything will be factored in what cost you to do it what made you what you are everything will be factored in so you will have mercy and justice everything will be factored in so don't worry about it so everywhere there is justice and god will allow this injustice to oh, this testing to go on because to understand whether we will stand righteous in the midst of it like i told last sunday a mob doesn't have consciousness mob never has any consciousness it's a individual so god is asking the bible if you look at through the bible if you look at these are the stories of individuals there is no story of a crowd there right from the beginning is the story of adam then is the story of abel and cain then there is the story of enoch the story of noah the story of nimrod the story of abraham these are stories of individuals either who went and formed a crowd to go against god or to step from the crowd and walked with god so god is always dealing with the individuals because the mob doesn't have a consciousness and in the injusting prevailing around you always need to realize to have injustice in any society you need a mob yes mob it may be a ruling mob we have a ruling mob here we have a ruling mob and we saw in in this month in this year we have seen it twice and both were crimes one was when a girl was raped and murdered and there was shotgun justice the culprits were shot in an encounter gone last week we saw this week we saw another dacoit he was arrested in the temple so dacoits also go to temples and he was also killed in an encounter because why maybe because he's related to the ruling party and they didn't want things to come out okay that's why we are talking we think it happens only in india no it happens everywhere how did jeffrey epstein die yeah. mm-hmm. he didn't hang himself oh, come on you, you must be kidding because if he had talked heads would have rolled around the world including the king's queen's son prince charles is the heir to the throne his brother is prince andrew no everybody you know people when they read about his uh, jeffrey epstein's island it was called orgy island where all the vips and big timers used to be flown in with underage girls and the name of the name of the plane which which took these people was called lolita express and not be not most people do not even know who lovat lolita express is i read it as a young man lolita is a novel written by ladiber nabako It was a novel about a young girl who was used by many many men. Lolita, Ladibrana Bakko's book. It's still there sitting in my father's house. Okay, my father had that book. I read it and I look at Lolita Nabako, you understand all that. And all kind of big timers went in that. If Jeffrey Epstein or his madam who's arrested sitting in the prison, okay, prison, where to talk, what would happen? What would happen? 
So people, some people conveniently die. Conveniently. But they are not going to escape God's throne. That's why God has given a time now to fall at his feet and mercy. Accept mercy here for that judgment. Even if you are executed here, you will receive mercy because Christ. The funniest part, people find it difficult. Jesus paid the price for Everyone. Jeffrey Epstein too. Yes, 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 that's the point. He paid the price for Jeffrey Epstein too. Difficult for us to understand what he did on the cross. But that's the truth. That's the truth. Amen. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. No. So, that's my answer to that. So, God will allow these things to come so that as an individual, we will stand up like Daniel, like Joseph, like all those individuals will stand up so that we will know we are actually pursuing righteousness. If there is no opposition, we will not know we are per- what we are pursuing. Then, the next question was, why do we get discouraged so easily? Because we are in a battle. All the, all the remedies to, is given. Prayer is a remedy, meditation in the word is a remedy, fellowship is a remedy. Yes, one of the reasons there is so much discouragement in this season is there is no fellowship. And that's why we have tried to beam the word through in and day in and day out. Because fellowship was one way of encouraging one another, the very fact. you know. Sometimes I used to tell people, when you don't even come to church, you are doing harm to the body of Christ. You may say, maybe you may say, okay, I don't need to hear the word. I know it already. But you do not realize your very presence encourages somebody else. Somebody else. You know, that we are all in this together because we are battling powers of darkness. We are in a battle. And everything and everybody is against the church. Nobody is with the church. The church is part of the kingdom of God. So they are seen as a hostile force in this world which is occupied by powers of darkness. And we get discouraged very easily. So God says pray, God says praise, God says meditate, God says think, God says encourage one another. And it is a process and you will come through it. One of the thing, observations is that uh, you always see... Can you hear his voice, Pastor Vijay's? Yeah, okay. Uh, the observation is that you always see that the other side, they seem to be more stronger, more powerful, more well-equipped. More, more terms of money. That's because their eyes are closed to eternity. Mm. It's an eternity. Like, you know, let us say, mm, you take a pain, you take a painkiller. Does that mean the pain has gone? No. No. The mm. pain hasn't gone. The pain is still there. Only thing you cannot feel it. Most of the world, the Bible says, has been blinded by the enemy. That does not mean what is coming is not reality. It's not reality. Because they are blinded by it. Blinded by it. No? Like the little child after he gets used to primary school, no? Play school and very excitedly says, bye mommy. Do you think he's going to say that for the rest of ten years? No. <laughs> Play school is fool's paradise. When real school starts, you have to drag him out of the bed, out of the bed. You know? So ignorance is a what? It's a bliss. it's a bliss. <laughs> ignorance is bliss. So you see them all excited and jumping and everything. And one of the illustrations we have seen is this. One of the things I have heard for old timers is this: think about a train. 
going full speed. And let us say in our terms, it's the Palace on Wheels mm. or Rajdani Express, you know, the, the, the five-star kind of a train that is going full speed. All the passengers having a wonderful time. There are five or six passengers in that train who realizes somewhere down the line, the bridge has collapsed. Do you think they will be enjoying the trip? No. All they are trying is to get the attention of the rest of the passengers to stop the train and get off. Mm. What do you think the rest of the passengers are going to believe? No. No. Because they are having fun. Okay. Having fun. See, we are a set of people called the Believing Church who knows this is going to crash. Mm. And times like man has never seen. If God were not to shorten it, even the elect will not survive, is coming. The rest of them are the passengers who are having a gala time and they are not going to listen to us. And they call us, as my wife calls me, party pooper, you know, they calls me, you know, calls us party poopers. Okay, so Jesus was a man of sorrows. Yet he was anointed with the oil of gladness. And we are that disparate being. We always carry sorrow with us because we know even though we may faithfully till the Lord comes pray for our unsaved loved ones, they may not believe. Hmm. They may not believe and they may not be there in eternity with us. We carry that burden with us, our friends, our loved ones and anybody. You look around, anybody. Yet you know if you try to speak the gospel to them, they are so hostile. You can speak Anything to them, any subject, politics, um, sports, music, entertainment, cooking, weather, books. Have you noticed the only thing you cannot talk to them is the gospel. And we also realize we have nothing else to talk other than the gospel. Like I said, if you have those five passengers in the train who is going, what do, what will these five passengers try to tell the others about the entertainment system in the train or the cuisine that is coming or the beautiful scenery that is outside, the speed of the train, the luxury of the coaches or they want to tell you the bridge is gone. The rest of the things are all true. The rest of the things are all true. But if you don't stop and get down, you're going to an end. It's over. It's over. So enjoy all this in the light of that. It's a dead end. They don't want to hear the gospel. They don't want to hear the gospel. But the gospel is the power of God. And we struggle with that. Constantly struggle with that. And we get angry. I get angry. I get mad. Sometimes I could just take people's head and bang it against the wall that they would believe. Mm. I mean, it's so simple. It's so beautiful. Nobody loves you the way Jesus does. Nobody has paid the price like Jesus. Why just can't you just... Believe. It's the easiest thing in the world. Just believe. They want to. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, in in the light of all this, whatever is being pursued by man is absolutely meaningless. I mean, it's it's, it's just, it's just gonna end up in despair only, right? Not necessarily. In the pursuit of what you are doing, there's a pursuit of God. There is a pursuit of the character of God. That gets built into man. And that is what you take over to the other side. When it fits you with the character of Christ, that is where the rewards go. And it can be before and after salvation. Before salvation also, there are certain disciplines of character that can come into a person. And uh, he has it. 
then when he's saved on to the other side, he doesn't have to change in those areas because it's already been formatted in. Only thing now into it, life has come. Life has come. Okay, life has come. It has eternal value. Uh, earlier it had only temporal value. Mm. Now it has eternal value because life of God has come. So remember all these things you perceive which is connected with the life of God, the character of God has eternal value because it will be put to work for all of eternity. Now that's why God says the man, the good steward who took one talent and made it into ten is not getting less work. Yeah. He's getting more work. Amen. In this beautiful body where you never tire mm. and I believe never sleep. sleep. Now we like sleep only because we are tired. Yeah. Try to put a child to sleep. No way. Mm-hmm. Especially the day before, night before vacation begins. He doesn't want to sleep. And we don't force the child to sleep. When eternity begins, it's like a long eternal vacation. Nobody wants to sleep. Why do you want to sleep? In a body that is not tired. I don't believe we will sleep in that realm. No, because there's no darkness there, it's only light. And the body, there is no tiredness. And we love work. Mm -hmm. Everybody will be working the work they love. Mm -hmm. And we love our boss. (laughs) The most beautiful, wonderful, compassionate boss. So, no, life is... Life is going to be different today. Amen. Enjoy work now. Okay, so, that was that was free. So, Pastor, look at question number five because it's in in, in line yeah. with the. So, the, uh, Pastor, in Ephesians chapter six verses ten to seventeen, if you can put it up, please on screen. Ephesians chapter six verses ten. Oh, to it's 17. a long word. So, put on the full armor of yeah. God. Yeah. So, everybody should know about it. How Mark. do you how do you put on the whole whole armor of God practically? In our lives. Honestly, that's, it's a series of sermons and we will start it tomorrow. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to. It's, it's, we are putting it on constantly. It is not like the, the imagery is used by the Roman soldier and the pieces of armor given is also from that. Also, you can take today's modern cops who are sent into harm's way, the body armor they put in. But remember, this is we are constantly putting on the armor. And the armor we put in each day is of the same material, but it's not of the same depth. Mm. When you and I got saved, we put on the belt of truth. Mm. But the belt of truth we have put on today is not the same thickness. We should have grown in truth. Then we understood only few truths. I am a sinner and God died for me. Now we have grown in truth. So we are putting those armor every day. Practically, spiritually, we are putting it. The more you put it on, the thicker the armor is, you realize the more um, powerful it is. You know, you have armor and you have body armor-piercing bullets too. Tanks come with armor and tanks where enemy has also that armor piercing missiles. Mm. Okay, you have bunkers, you have Bunk- bunker busting, busting bombs, mm. everything. So you need to realize if the truth and the righteousness which I have put on is only what I believed in in the beginning, it cannot withstand the force of the enemy now. It cannot. So we are supposed to grow in it. 
you know, grow in our righteousness. Grow in our righteousness, okay? Even Jesus had to be made perfect in obedience before the Father would send him out. Send him out. Okay, would send him out. So please understand what it is. It's every piece of it, every piece of that armor, we have to constantly, constantly battle to put it on. Putting it on itself it is, is a battle. battle. Amen. It's mm-hmm. a battle. Our, even the greatest man of our lifetime, my, not my lifetime, he died before I was born, but my parents' lifetime, Mahatma Gandhi, his struggle was with truth. And his entire book, the most famous book, was his, what his, about his battle with truth. Okay, so he struggled. Incredible man. Incredible man. But you see, he, he struggled with the first piece. And he couldn't put it on. Forget righteousness. He could not put on the righteousness that comes by faith because he struggled with truth. Struggled with truth. So this is it. It's a, it's a continuous process. And I would pray we study this, we stand on this, and we believe this, and we work on this constantly. Yes, Pastor Vichai. And that, sister, wherever you are from, I do not even know where you are from. And if you ever come to Hyderabad and the church is open, please come and be part of our church, okay? Mm-hmm. I like your questions. Amen. Hallelujah. I like your questions. And you're somewhere from North India, okay? I cannot even figure out Kispota, what name it is, which state is, I'm not able to figure it out. Okay? But I like your questions. And uh, if you ever move into Hyderabad, don't go to another church. Come to our church. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> the way your questions, you already think like us. Yes, Pastor. So you look, look at question number one and two, Pastor, together. Uh, I mean, not together, but yeah. He uh, says, could you please explain? This is Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 36. Can you put it up again? I think we answer that question, no? No, Pastor. We didn't. We did answer no, that no, question. No, no, we did not. We did not. This, no, this one not. Okay, okay let's have it. Oh, yeah. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I sure I didn't answer this question. Okay. No. I feel I answered. Okay. Maybe I was in some other setting when I answered this question. We have so many meetings, including Skype meetings. So I don't know what I say in Skype, what I say on YouTube, what I say on Facebook. No. no. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Yes. And Luke 9.56. You have to put the whole thing, Sammy, where he says, I have not come to bring peace, but a son. No, go back to Matthew 10. Matthew 10 verses 34 to 36. 34 onwards. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Okay, but I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Okay, and then, yeah, that's what he's talking about. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. Then if you come to Luke 9 and verse 56. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Okay, so how do you reconcile to these things? Because what we talk about is... What Jesus is talking about, let's go back to Matthew. Jesus is talking about um, a peace. See, one thing you need to understand is that anything you pursue on earth, 
if it is true, not just real. Reality can be manufactured. If it is true, it should be eternal. Did you get it? Yes. If it is true, it has to be eternal. Because what is true has to be eternal. So if I have a peace, and if that peace is true, it has to be eternal. So there is a true peace, and there is a false peace. A true peace comes only when man has peace with God. If I have peace with God, then my peace is eternal, and I carry it on to the other side. But if my peace is not true, I think I am at peace, but it is not true, then death or the second coming of Jesus Christ will be an incredible rude awakening when you realize. See, when you walk into a court, you don't need anybody's attention or favor. You need favor from one person. Person who is seated on that chair. If you have favor with that one person, it does not matter. Like, Roger Stone was, his sentence was commuted today. So, February, um, July 15th, he was supposed to report to prison for three years. He's an old 67 year old man. If President Trump had not commuted his sentence, he would have gone to prison and probably would have died there with COVID-19 and all. Okay. So, uh, he had no more way of appealing. I mean, he had come to practically a dead end. So he needed favor with one man, one man, who could commute his sentence. That was the president of U.S. And today, that's our today, there yesterday, President Trump commuted his sentence. And I believe he did the right thing. A lot of Americans may not want to agree with that, but I think he did the right thing because I believe Roger Stone was set up. Set up. You see, this? there is a stupid loss in America. Let us say Dr. Richard is an FBI guy. FBI. He comes to interrogate me. He can lie to me. But if I lie to him based on his lie, I commit perjury and I'll go to prison. But he's free. And you will see the entire Russian hawks with General Flynn or Roger Stone, they were trying it. Katie McFarland, it was the Na- deputy national security advisor. Even she was interrogated by the FBA and they tried everything possible to let her to, to, to lie so that they could put them to, to bring Trump down. You need to realize the FBI, the Justice Department are arms of the Democratic Party. A part of, part of the Trump. So what happened over there is Roger Stone, when he was arrested by the FBI under Trump, so people think the president controls the FBI. No, he doesn't. If he ever wins, if he wins the second term, he should dismiss the entire FBI and the Justice Department. They have around 150,000 employees in the Justice Department. Hire all new people. You know, if the, if the system is crooked, where does an ordinary man get justice? Imagine a man like Roger Stone for our statement when he was arrested. He's 67 years old. He doesn't own a gun. They had FBI agents with tactical gears 
armored with guns. They used what you call that thing to break his door down in the early morning, midnight hours. And they arrested him and his wife is in pajamas. And they tipped CNN. So CNN was there early in the morning recording the whole thing. Basically sending a signal. If you don't snitch, this is what will happen to you. We are taking the president down. This is how they create fear and terror. And that's not justice. That's an absolute total abuse of justice. Imagine if you can, they can do that to him and can to do to a three star, four star general like General Flynn. What justice do you expect from the common, for the common man? American justice system is so expensive. Indian justice system is so expensive. You want to go to the high court? You need to get a good lawyer. Do you know what his retainer is? 10 lakhs. Do you have the money? So you will rot and die in the jail. That's why God has fixed a day called the day of judgment. Well, when on that day of judgment and when they are sent into maximum security in the lake of fire will be interesting. Most of them will be cops, FBI and Justice Department people around the world because of the abuse of law, because law comes from heaven. Mm. Law comes from heaven. They were support up they were only sitting on chairs, but the authority was given by God. And they will face the maximum from God. And believe they will face the maximum from God for abusing and throwing innocent people, innocent people abusing innocent and letting the big ones get scot free. Go scot free. You know? For lying, doing this this demand to General Flynn, lying. Brennan lied, Comey lied, Hillary lied, all these people lied in Congress. How come they are all walking free? Because they are part of your system. In our country too. Our country too. People are sitting in all places of power. You look at the record, criminal record. You change the public prosecutor, you change the judge, and you come out and say, we have been vindicated. Vindicated from what? Murder? Blood of... Thousands are upon your hands of politicians of all use in this world. You think you will be vindicated on that day? You will be vindicated. A day is coming. And we look forward to that day. And every one of these oppressed people who have faced injustice, just wait. Just wait. A day is coming. Day is coming. Psalm 103 no? will say, the Lord executes righteousness and yes. judgment for all that are oppressed. All who are oppressed. So when you're coming about it, Jesus is talking about it. See, you don't want false peace. Romans 5.1. You want real peace, true peace. This is the only way true peace comes first. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You see, I don't need peace with all men. Pursue peace mm. as far as possible. Live peacefully. But I need peace with God. That's the justice, Supreme Court justice. That's one bench, one man Supreme Court in the universe. I need peace with him. And that's the peace Jesus is talking about. He says, when you have peace with me, and when you, when you choose me, immediately it is like the cat among the pigeons. Mm. The man's father, father turns against the man. The mother-in-law turns against her. Depending upon who has found peace with God, trouble starts in the house. That's what Jesus is talking about. He said, I have come to bring true peace. That is salvation. The minute somebody in the household gets saved, everybody turns against him. Why? Because now you are a disruptor in their order of beings. Because you chose Christ above 
So what has happened? The peace in the family has gone. Why? Because you refuse to worship the same way, do things the same way. Like one of the kids who wrote to me, uh, they're Hindus and they brew alcohol in the house. They sell alcohol. People come to the house to drink, family gatherings, everybody drinks. And one person alone is saved in that house. Now what do I do? What do I do? You have become a disruptor. And who brought the sword into the house between you and the others? Christ Jesus. Yes. Mm. What do I do? Okay. You are not able to drink. So they see us as a disruptor. We can, are we party poopers? No. But we cannot party with your kind of party. Your kind of off-color jokes. Your kind of language. Your kind of festivities. I'm sorry. I would like to separate myself from that. And if I come over there, you also don't like, don't like my company because, oh, you are holy, holy. You don't enjoy. So why do you want me there? It's, it's a, there's a saying in uh, Malayalam. It is so bitter, uh, you cannot swallow. Yet it is so sweet, you cannot spit. Okay? They want you, but they don't want you. They want you so they can tell everybody, I told you, no? This is a party pooper. But we enjoy fellowship, we enjoy our companies, we enjoy our parties, we enjoy ourselves because we know we are united by one thing, one person. So when Jesus is talking about I have come to save, he saves and that is true peace. That is absolute true peace. And that's the peace they don't want. They want a false peace and, and we struggle. And that is the struggle of salvation. And when he's talking about uh, the son of man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. Yes, he said, but how does he save? By bringing true peace. No, bring. Why did Joseph's brothers hate Joseph? Did he do anything wrong? No. They hated him because they saw him as not standing with them. But he did not want to stand with them against his father. He didn't want to do anything even without his father knowing which would harm his father's name. They refused to be part of it and they hated him for that. They sold him for that. You think think about one thing that Jesus did that demanded punishment. Nothing. Why did they hate him? The Bible says they hated me without cause. They hated him without cause. Yes, let's go to the next question. Explain about rapture and capture again. Rapture and capture. Rapture is a eschatological theory. Okay, it will be proven when it happens. <laughs> there are evidences for Hallelujah. it and against it. For it, two evidences, one called our elder brother Enoch and elder brother Elijah. There are two, two what do you call it, uh, evidences of rapture, of Enoch being taken without meeting death and Elijah also not dying. But I do believe they will come back and die once again. So rapture is there. And uh, in the Bible, Jesus talks about the last days will be like no other days worldwide. And he who endures till the end, endures everything that is coming and still will remain righteous and loving. It's not enough to remain righteous. It's easier to remain righteous till the end than to remain Loving it till the end. Let me tell you. Jesus, when he died on the 
cross. He's loving till the end. Stephen, when he died, he was loving till the end. He was righteous and loving. It's sometimes because all martyrs in all religions were righteous in their death, according to their considerable righteous. They were not loving. But something about Christianity. There's something about Christianity. So if you can endure till the end and remain righteous and loving till the end, God seems to make a promise both in the gospel according to Luke when he talks about and the church in Philadelphia. Remember, Philadelphia means love, brotherly love. To these two churches, two places, he seems to make a promise that he will take them out. So rapture is there. But at the church in Laodicea, he's asking them to repent Otherwise, he's giving them the warning. He will spew them out. So if you read from chapter 4 onwards, if you spews them out, where is he spewing them out into? What you see in the subsequent chapters are tribulation. So I believe there will be a church who will go through tribulation. Hmm. And it will be very, very difficult. I mean, is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. The only way we'll come through is through death. You will have to die for your convictions. And that's why you see this multitude who washed their robes in blood, blood and they had come through the tribulation. Because now they believe. They believe. They didn't, they all knew went to church, they all heard it, they knew their theology very well, but they did not practice it. But now when the Antichrist comes in and the rapture has taken place, they believe. They believe. They also know, quite a few of them will also know we have to die now. Many of them will recant and bow down, take the mark. So that is rapture and capture. If you are not caught in capture, rapture, the only alternative is capture. Will you die for your faith? Will you die for your faith? These are the options you see over there. Okay, And then there are a lot of others um, who believe there is no rapture at all. So everybody will have to go through that choice, die. You know, and uh, there are different readings. And but let me show you something from the book of Revelation of the last, when the Antichrist is given power to over uh, whoever is left. They will talk that it is about the Jews, but I'm talking about the principle behind it. Okay, if you come to chapter 13, where you see the beast coming in. Okay. Do you see? If you come from uh, verse 5. He was given a mouth speak, uh, verse 13, chapter 13, verse 5, yeah. He was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. 42 months is how many years? Three and a half three years. And a half years. It is called the three and a half years of tribulation. Okay. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints. With the saints. And? To overcome them. Overcome them. God gives him the power to make war with the saints. And not the saints overcome him, but he to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue and nation. Complete authority. All who dwell on the sea will worship him. On earth will worship him. Though whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Verse 9. 
If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. Who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Hmm. So God says, if you are in that time, if you have to go into captivity, you will go into captivity. If you have to die, you will die. Allah love it to have. So I leave it at that. So there is capture and there is rapture. Let's pray and hope we are caught in the first and not the second. But if you are not caught in the first and the second, also be sure that you'd rather go into captivity and take the mark of the beast. Like I said, no, we do not know who is worthy. So we always, I always teach this perspective. Always be prepared for the worst case scenario. Those decisions are not made then. Those decisions are made now. Lord, if I am considered worthy for rapture, here I am. But if I am not, I make my decision. I would rather die than take the mark. I make that decision. You reaffirm it. You reaffirm it. Reaffirm it until it becomes like a solid pillar, cast iron in your soul. I, this is the decision that I have to take. It becomes like what we say in science, reflex action. Set it. That's Daniel. I cannot eat that. I cannot eat that. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Possible go to question number six. Yeah, six. Our God is a God of light. These cuties who send these questions, I'm shocked by their questions. But these are new children in the Lord. Very new young children who have come from Hindu backgrounds. Their questions they ask is like so sensitive questions. Just read all three are from their child. God is a God of light and he does not dwell in darkness. But I don't think I can confidently say that my heart is that much clean for him to dwell in. <laughs> then how does he speak to me when he does not dwell in darkness? When will our heart and mind be completely pure and pure that we will never think or do wrong? Can I have that board and that marker if you have it there? Yeah. Mm. Uh, when will our heart and mind be completely pure and pure that we will never think or do wrong so that our heart will be a clean place for him to stay? That's question number one. Is dwelling of God in our heart and being filled with the Holy Spirit the same? If yes, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit and fullness of the Spirit? I mean, if God is living in our heart, He is living in our heart. What does it mean by less spirit filled and fullness of the Holy Spirit in us? What happens to those dead people who never knew the Lord or never heard the gospel? Do they get a chance to go to heaven? Yeah. Okay. Can you take this chair off? Yeah. Can you focus on this, Sammy, on the camera? Okay, so that I make it simple illustrations so that children can understand it, okay? Uh, I'm not a mathematician, so <laughs> I'm an English was, not is, okay? So my circles won't be like his circles, okay? Imagine, imagine this is a circle, and this is a circle, and this is a circle, okay? This is your body, this is your soul, and this is your spirit, okay? When you got born again, this is where the Holy Spirit comes. But the body contains the soul, the soul, everything. It's, that's where God first says, like, uh, my wife will say, give me your wallet. Because the wallet has the cash and the cards. If she asks for cash, she gets the cash. If she asks for the card, she gets the card. But if she asks for the wallet, she gets everything. Okay? <laughs> so God says, offer your body. <laughs> Because your body contains Super. everything. Okay, of your bodies as a living sacrifice. And the soul is where your mind 
Okay, your emotions, your will, everything is here. He says it has to be continuously renewed. Okay, but when the Holy Spirit comes, this is where He is. This is where He is. Okay, so He dwells here, and the soul has to be trained to hear from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when God comes, He dwells here. And God says, every day when you surrender, what happens? The Holy Spirit starts moving more and more and your soul is getting filled. And your body is now learning to obey the Holy Spirit because it's getting the directions through the soul. This is how it happens. So when being filled with the Holy Spirit does not mean you are filled in the Spirit alone. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means the Holy Spirit has more and more control over your soul and therefore more and more control over your actions. That is how it functions. So when the, when what happens is, actually what happens is when you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes over here, you have many, 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 many demonic strongholds. In your soul, not in your spirit, mm. in your soul, demonic strongholds, which has to be broken down by the word of God. You may have demonic oppression in your body. In your body. You have it here, you have it here. Now, complete freedom, total freedom is when the Holy Spirit has complete control over your thinking and your thinking over your body, you are free. The devil can't do nothing with you. That's what is written about Jesus. The ruler of this world has come. He found nothing in me. Absolutely nothing. Couldn't touch him anywhere because neither in the soul nor in the body you couldn't touch him because absolutely, totally surrendered to the word of God, to his father, the Holy Spirit, and his mind was absolutely the word of God, the way God thinks. Therefore, the devil couldn't do anything couldn't do anything. So he had to use human instruments to crucify him, but he couldn't touch him. That is what it means to what the child is asking about. Mm -hmm. So in that question she says, so that is where you get filled by the Holy Spirit and you have to allow the Holy Spirit to move into your soul. And the problem people struggle is in the soul. The struggle is in the soul. Our entire mental process, we read politics, we read economics, and we don't realize that uh, you read economics. Economics itself is an ent- massive filled with different ideologies. Mm-hmm. That is why when you have a President Obama, he will have an uh, ideologue, economic ideologue, which will be completely different from the economic ideologue who is Larry Kudlow, is uh, Trump's czar, uh, economic czar. No, but if you look at the leftist side, it is that fellow called the Freedman, crackpot. Yes. Okay, Freedman, okay, leftist. So everybody has, you have to realize anything you think about life, there's an ideology behind it. And the kingdom of God in itself is an ideology, and that ideology has to permeate economics, culture, movies, music, apparel, everything it has to permit in. And that is when your soul is taken over. Complete relationships, everything it has to take over. And then the body functions accordingly. The body either way is a slave. It's a slave of the soul, whichever way you think. But the problem is the body can get oppressed. Okay? Oppressed 
or demonized. Mm. You open yourself and a demon. Lucky you can be a believer, but what you call functional alcoholic. Functional. It's not that you're not a believer. You're a believer, but you're functional alcoholic because this is controlling you. And when you come back from your workplace, you end in your house, you see the bottle, it doesn't matter how many good messages you heard, you go there and you drink it. You have no. You flip for it. So it can be anything like that where the body controls. You know here, you cry, you weep. You know it is wrong. You cry out to God. He shows mercy too. But deliverance is a completely different thing. And this deliverance is going to take take place until that whole sieve bondage is not thrown out. You have to be delivered out of it. A lot of Christians don't believe it is not possible because they are thinking, how can the Holy Spirit and the demons reside in the same body? But aren't they residing in the same universe? (laughs) The whole universe is God. You think in the second realm there is no presence of the Holy Spirit? God has withdrawn himself? Oh. He's omniscient. He's that omnipresent. Is, it's omnipresent. omnipresent. Okay, so you have to understand that and understand what it means. And this is our battle. No, this is our battle. When you negate, no, I'm fine. Okay, I'm fine. Okay. Okay. And then what happens to those dead people who never knew the Lord or never heard the gospel? Do they get a chance to go to heaven? It's a very painful question. I have heard it a million times in my life from all kinds of people. A million is a hyperbole, okay? Mm. Well, let's go to that one answer I give everybody. Let's go to the book of Romans. That is the answer I have. Chapter 2 and Okay. Let's look at verse 9 onwards. Chapter 2, verse 9 onwards. For tribulation, anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. For as many have sinned without the law, will also perish without the law. As many have sinned in the law, will be judged by the law. And verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Now look at verse 14. That's a a key verse here. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. That's what God is talking about. Think about a Gentile. He doesn't have the Mosaic law. Or any law. He doesn't have the law. But deep inside he has a conscience in which is reads the unwritten law. And if you look at this unwritten law he is following, it agrees with the Mosaic law. Yes. He agrees with the Mosaic law. Are a law unto themselves. And verse 15, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness between themselves, their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So I believe for everyone who perished without hearing the gospel, this is how they will be judged. What will be their state in eternity? And I do not know. Hmm. I do not know. But I do believe in the righteousness of God. And I do believe everyone who had a conscience like that, no? like you know, those who, they really searched. 
And they did not know the name, but they prayed to an unknown God, like he, um, Paul finds it in Athens. Athens. Unknown God. Why do you need an unknown God? You have all these gods, and yet there are these righteous people thinking, there is a God who does not fit in with all this. Mm. Who does not fit in. There are people who have found Christ after reading the Rig Veda. Mm. And they looked at all that and said, okay, there are these qualities mentioned. Five or seven qualities. One thousand qualities yeah. actually. Actually a thousand <laughs> qualities. And they searched for every god in the Hindu pantheon across of them. They found nobody. And they found search Christ and they found it fits him. They searched other religions and they found it fits him. And they realized he's the one this is talking about. This is talking about. So God is talking about. My personal thing is, I mean, I'm not putting a theory or idea or anything. No, he's given a name called Jesus, which means Savior. Hmm? What does Yeshua mean? Savior. Savior. Let us imagine 200 years ago, let us imagine in the land of India, there was a devout Hindu who searched for this living God and he did not know the Bible, never heard the gospel, but he knew there was a God who was righteous, who was holy, and only that God could save him, and it, his, his works would never, ever meet that God's standards. But in his life and in his death, he cried out to that God saying, Save me, O Lord. I believe God has heard him. Mm. Because he was actually crying out to the name of the Savior. Yes who he did not know, but unconsciously was crying out. Now look at Gandhi. Okay? I'm not putting any... I am not nobody to judge where Gandhi is now. But let me tell you this thing. We have a pantheon of gods in Hinduism. Among them, there is only one who is actually righteous. That is Ram. Ram. Ram is the only one who is actually righteous, who pursues righteous. That's why even when they talk about a kingdom, they talk about Ram Rajya. Mm. They never talk about Krishna Rajya. Then we will be having a lot of crazy stuff happening over here. Now, they don't talk about Ganesh Raja, they don't talk about Shiva Raja, they always talk about Ram Raja because it's a righteous rule. And one of the interesting things about Gandhi is that when he died, his last words was, Hey Ram. Wow. He appealed to the righteous one. He did not appeal to any of the others. Whatever his understanding it is and everything and all. No, Okay, so, see, you have to leave these things to God. Our job is to preach the gospel. And explain to people, this is the easiest way God has made. Mm. Do you want to be judged by the law? Do you want to be judged by your conscience? Or do you don't want to be judged at all? He's to Okay, so if you look at it, there's only one name given under. Now we know the name. What happens to a man who did not know the name, but everything he believed and called upon actually agrees with that name. The name is just a nomenclature. Mm. Yeshua means Savior. Yes. That's all it means. Okay? And everything he was calling upon, actually we thought, knowing that mm. name, if you look at the character of the God he yes. was calling upon, yes. fits only with Christ. You know, I believe God in his mercy. You know, if he could show mercy to that thief on that one side, <laughs> how can he not show mercy to this man who if he knew it was Christ, would have called upon God. Christ all the days of mm. his life without knowing called upon that unknown God. So I put it across that way and I say our job is to present Christ to people and to say this is the person you are looking for. This is he who it is. Amen. This is he who he is.
You know, Christ is the person you are looking for. But that is the problem when wickedness and evil permeates around the system. And even religious people become evil and evil permeates. The entire concept about righteousness, righteousness is gone. gone. Yes. So nobody is seeking righteousness. Yes, yes, yes. That's what God's complaint through Moses said. Nobody is seeking righteousness. Nobody is righteous. Nobody. Not just righteousness. So what happened is that it is easier for a person in a country like India, which is religious, to get saved than a nation like America, where they call evil good and good evil. Hmm. It's easier here because he's still religious. He still fears. He doesn't know who the real God is. He still fears. He still has reverence. He still does his religious duties. And to tell them all that you're doing, this is the one, he comes through. Well, they will bring every ideology and they know my God loves, so I am gay, he appreciate, he loves me, he understands me. You can't talk to that man. Because he has made a God in his own image. You can talk to this man, because the poor man does not know. Does not know. So you will see, gospel is always easier in Gentile nations than in the previous Christian nations. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, Pastor Vijay. This is final question for the final day. question for the day. It's Ezekiel chapter eighteen verses one to four about. Okay. Ezekiel chapter eighteen verses one to four. Can we have it? It's there in Jeremiah two, if I'm right, and we can have uh, on Jeremiah also. Pastor Vijay will give you the reference. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, "What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge?" As I love, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who That's sins it. shall die. And we have it in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. 31. Also. And uh, words? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one second. One, uh, one second. 31. Sargraphs. It's all marked out in our Bibles. We know these are all questions. 31. Not Jeremiah. Not Jeremiah 31. It's not 31. Sorry. Uh, so, so 31 and verse 30. What? 31, 30. Yes. 30. Third, 29 and 30. In those days they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. It is the problematic words which has been interpreted in so many different ways. Okay, and uh, by well-meaning, well, or oh, somebody else. Text me from all the way from Sikkim. Thank you for the illustration. Your drawing is as good as mine. Mm, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. So we are all liberal arts. Okay. <laughs> we are liberal in our drawing too. See, we have to look at prophetically what Jesus is talking about. He's saying a day is coming. A day is coming when... Every man shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on the edge. There are two things here. One thing we need to realize when we... Let's go back to the the previous portion. Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel. Go over there. The word of the Lord. What do you mean by when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge? Okay, meaning, he says, 
they are making excuses. Hmm. They are making excuses. You know why we are? Because it's of because of my fathers. Because of my father did of this thing, no? And yeah. As I live, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. He's saying, I mean, iniquity is a reality. But like, you know, simply put across, like, you know, put across in today's context of what's happening in the world. Uh, slavery was there in the U.S. 300 years ago. It was abolished in the year 1861 or 62 or something. It was abolished in U.S. This is the year 2020. Okay? I'm not talking about the people on the streets. I'm talking about the African-American community who are believers. You have no excuse. You've been set free by Christ. If you fail, it's because you didn't believe. You didn't believe. I mean, you're talking about something that was abolished 150 years ago, 60 years ago. Let me tell you how, let me put it across. My father was born in 1930. That means the first 17 years of his life, he lived under the British rule. So I am a first generation. I am a son of a person who actually experienced an oppressing power. Hmm. I have nothing against the whites. I don't blame my failures on the whites. People who came and enslaved my nation. I don't. Why? Because I became a believer. And I believe when I became a believer and came to Christ, everything has changed. I do not go back to my racial identity. Mm. I don't go back to my previous caste identity. I don't go back to my national identity or the oppressors who rule my nation. I realize either Second Corinthians 5.17 is true or it is not true. And it is true. This is what Second Corinthians 5.17 says. Not 5.17. If, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it doesn't matter what the color of his skin is. It's irrelevant. Hmm. White, black, yellow, brown. It's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Meaning, you may have an entirely living in a racist society, but that has, that has in my mind, destiny is in their hands. My destiny is with God. Amen. Is with God. And God can circumvent, overrule all this and still make me. And my color of my skin does not determine who my, what my, what I am or who I become. Let me give you two examples, just two examples, okay? You have the Democratic Party, all kinds of African Americans are there and they're all crackpots. Most of them are crackpots because of the ideology they follow. They all say, say, claim to be Christians, but you cannot have an ideology that negates your Christianity. On the other hand, you have a Republican Party, mostly of whites. Mostly about whites, because of the, the that's a leftist ideology, how they are, how they're good or about blaming others for their own miseries. But in this, in the Republican Party, I just, I'll give you just two names in President Trump's cabinet. If you want to look at the, the most gentle Godly, well-read, easily probably the smartest man in that cabinet. It's Ben Carson. Ben Carson. And he's black. Black. And they hate him because they think he's on the wrong side. But he's on the right side. So the color of your skin has nothing to do with who you are as a person and your intellectual capacity and who you have become. Mm. I'm not talking about his position as a person. Yes. As a person. If you look at the Congress or the Senate, if you look at the Congress and the Senate put over there, there are blacks over there and you have 
Maxine Waters. And they shouldn't open their mouths. They're a disgrace to their own race. The kind, the way they talk, they bring, they bring shame to their community, the way they, honestly, if you look at it. But if you look at the Republican side, there is one man whom they hate. It's Tim Scott. You listen to Tim Scott. I would believe, I would easily say he's one of the, he's the best, the nicest, well-spoken, well-read, intellectual, godly person. If you buy the words, and I don't know any of these people. I'm just judging people by their words. If you look at their words, you look, put them across over there and say, hey, your color of your skin did not determine who you are. Who you are. You know why? It's because of what whom you believed in. Mm. Or what you believed. Whom you believed in. Whom you believed in has changed you because he has the power to override everything. Override everything. Yes, if I am Black in a white majority country, but I'm a believer and I'm facing a culture of white supremacy. I work it out for my own good in eternity. I face this hostility and try to be just, righteous, kind, loving and merciful in a hostile community. And I will work it out for my righteousness. Because that's exactly what we are. Mm. We are brown. You think if you go to America, you won't face racism? Of course you will. You don't have to go to America. Go to North India. Just go to North India from South India. What are you? Madrasi. That's all you are. One nomenclature. Everybody is Madrasi. You know how they treat you? They treat you? They treat you differently. They treat you differently. Honestly, when they come here, we don't treat them say, that same way. Have you noticed when they come here, we don't treat them. We treat them normally. But we go there, they don't treat us the same way. Mm. As if we are aliens, we came some other part of India. You know? So what I'm saying is we all face it at different, different levels. But you have to look at this. This is the truth. So you cannot blame your father. For anything, you cannot blame. Once you have come to Christ, your past does not matter. Because your future is determined by God. Mm -hmm. And you have to believe. The color of your skin does not matter. Your education qualification does not matter. Your family's wealth does not matter. None of these things matter. This is the reality of what Christ does. You are a new creation. Old things. Everything that is old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And pictures are there in the Bible. Hebrews are an abomination to the, they hate the Hebrews in Egypt and shepherds are an abomination to the, Egyptian. so if you look by race, or you look by profession, profession, Joseph is an abomination. Even when he reaches the top, he still eats alone, alone. because they won't eat with him. But he reached the top. He did not allow the color of his skin or the hostility of the race, because they all hate him. They cannot do anything to him only because the Pharaoh said, I put you on my right side. You are second to none. Everything is under. And they cannot go against the Pharaoh's word. Pharaoh's word. That's why as soon as the scripture says in Exodus, a new Pharaoh came who did not know Joseph, that immediately changed. Immediately changed. So in that midst of what he called racial, society, prejudice, everything, he prospered. Mm. You know why he prospered? Because God was with him. God was with him. Amen. And we have to look at all these pictures and say, yes, that is true. We have to fight all these systematic races, all those things. But the job of the church is to change one man at a time. You know? Because it's not racism, does not kill everybody. You know, casteism does not kill everybody. 
Sickness does not kill everybody. One thing that will kill everybody is sin. Yes. 100% guarantee. Sin will kill everybody. And Christ came to make atonement for that. For that. And the rest in the church, we have to educate and teach people, hey, this is wrong. This is right. Why? He says so. That's the only reason. We are not activists. We are kingdom people. Amen. So we will call it a day, 8.30. And um, God is good. All the time. All the time God is good. So we shall close with prayer. Tomorrow morning we start at 9. And uh, let me, because you are never sure who will listen, who will not listen. So let me make a couple of announcements. Tomorrow at 9 we begin worship. We have communion service. Monday is the off day. Coming, starting from this week. I'm giving you a schedule for this week onwards. Monday is off day. Tuesday morning we have English service. Wednesday evening we have the logo service. Thursday morning, we have English service. Thursday evening, we have no service. Friday um, Friday evening, we have Nepali service. Saturday evening, we have, we have Q&A. Mm-hmm. Now listen carefully. Wednesday morning. Friday morning. Friday morning and Saturday morning. We'll have 9 to 11. 9 to 11. Worship and prayer. Worship will be led by Peter. Prayer will be led by my wife. Three days. We've given you enough word. Now we have to make you intercessors. The time has come. The church moves into intercession. Okay? We may not be there. We may be working on the word. But it will be the same format. All around the world who are listening, most of you are not going to preach. But all of you will pray and you will learn to pray. We will not be teaching you about prayer. We will be just praying. So starting this week onwards, you can send in your prayer requests. Like you send in your questions, send in your prayer requests. We will pray. We will pray. Okay, my wife will lead that. She will lead that. And other sisters, if you want to come and join during that time, you're putting roughly two hours. It can be less than that too because initially it will be difficult for people. Like my wife can pray for one week at a stretch, but a lot of people cannot. It's a discipline you have to learn. So we will have praise and prayer and praise and prayer. Roughly I'm putting it two hours. Could be less than that too. Okay, so that you become, everyone becomes an intercessor. We have to balance it. Preaching and prayer we are set for the kingdom. Okay? And we shall close with prayer. Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. By the way, this is a surprise for my wife too. I have a habit of giving surprises. And I just thank you, Lord, that we have a praying spiritual mother in our church, Lord. And I pray, Lord, all the children, spiritual children, men and women, you will raise up an army of intercessors, O Lord. Very few are called to preach. And we are discouraged actually from teaching. But all are called to pray. Mm. And I pray, Lord, during this season, you will raise up a disciplined army of intercessors and you will teach them to pray. So that, Lord, our God will have a people from every nook and corner of the world who will pray and cry out unto you because we know the end is here. And unless you stretch forth all your hand of mercy, O oh, Father, where will we go? 
So I commit this time and these days into thy hands, O Lord. If you tarry to come, you give us another day. We will be in the land of the living. We pray you will give the unction and the strength to stand before thee, to worship you, to praise you, to minister to you, and then stand before thee and before your people and give your people the word you have for them, Lord. Unto that end, strengthen us, Lord. I commit all your people everywhere into thy hands, and I pray you protect them, preserve them, keep them, Lord. Keep them, Lord. Keep them. Mighty is our God. And wide are his wings. Stretch forth your wings and cover your people. Let them find shelter in that secret place, O Lord. We just thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.